1: Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Friday edition. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is July 21st. It is the final show of our preview series that we have done looking around. What, what morphed into what we were going to do, sort of AFC contender series, morphed into this entire NFL series, which ended up being pretty fun as we prepare for the season. Andrew Spade's joining me in just a moment. I think we've done a plethora of teams, maybe not every single one of them in depth, but enough that it matters. We've covered the AFC uh north recently we covered the ravens yeah just your wednesday episode and then on monday's episode we covered the bengal's and we're going to finish up with the steelers today so hopefully you've gained some clarity from this uh this little I don't know segment uh, idea that we've had that again has kind of grown on its own and you feel ready for the NFL season like we do and we're going to wrap that up today if you've not paid attention the live wire concept we have put up at the OBR has been running for a couple days now where we accumulate essentially what we're doing Is trying to accumulate all of Brown's news and put it in one spot throughout the day for you. So, again, I think I referenced this the other day. It's kind of creating a uh, almost followable list that you can go in, check out uh, at various points throughout your day and get Brown's updates for things that happen. You know, us at the OBR, we don't like to, to write up in depth every single minor thing. You know the scope of what needs to be written up is a little tricky for a website, and we don't like to write up every single thing, but we do want to make sure that you stay up to date on everything Cleveland Brown. So we are putting that in one centralized hub for you, and there have been quite a few updates over the first few days. And we'll be continuing that as we get more information. The Browns approaching Greenbrier this weekend is when it'll start to be really fun because you can get multiple videos, updates, um, you know, pieces of information, interviews, uh, all that stuff. It's going to be pretty great. So check out the Livewire. That doesn't disrupt your daily newswire. If you wake up in the morning and like to read Barry McBride's piece, that will be there as well. Otherwise, Jack Duffin wrapped up the preview series with his safeties, the 2025 group, uh, predicting three years down the line what that group will look like. And then we had one more other piece from Cody Sook that we will go over here in just a minute. But Andrew, as I welcome you in, it sort of looks like the thing that we have to discuss after I didn't post anything yesterday is the Perrion Winfrey situation, which happened after we released the Wednesday episode So we didn't really get to discuss it. It happened like like boom. I feel like there was a there was a video that got out there on social media and I'm sure the Browns knew that it was going to be. I mean, those things typically don't get thrown out there without, you know, some kind of team understanding that this is about to drop because it was swift. It was like 40 minutes, I think, is what I looked at. It was 40 minutes between that video hitting. We threw it into our Slack channel and said, this is ugly. They should take action. They should be swift here. And then they uh, they did. They, they, re- they waived him to be to be correct. With a rookie contract, you have to waive a player. You can't just cut them. There's a waiver process there. He went unclaimed on waivers, which is not a surprise to anybody at all uh, in this situation. So he is now a free agent. And there seems to be more looming. If you if you saw that, if you did not see the video, there's a female standing out. What looks like downtown Cleveland. Perrion seems to have followed her out there yelling. And uh, it, from what it looks like, you can't really see him in the video, but it looks like there's a there's maybe perhaps a hit situation. The, uh, the, the language is pretty gross. It's all very rough, and uh, it seems to follow in line with what has been a really really ugly off season here for Perry on Winfrey, where he was down in Texas, and uh, in Texas he got off of a uh, abuser. A, I'm not sure a, a aggravated something, Andrew. I'm not sure what the name of the word is. Uh, but, yeah, but- it, was,
2: it was. It was there was violence against a, a woman. I, I don't know the specific term or what he was charged with, but. So I think
1: it was assault. Something yeah, I, I, like that I low think grade. it was, yeah. And then they
2: dismissed it for a diversion program.
1: So he got out of that. And then they were like, you know, talk about they had to keep him on the straight and narrow. And if he if he had any other issues, they were going to make a move. And this seems to be the other issue. So. Uh, as far as the, the the person, we're not really here to talk about that. I think that has played out the way that is not hard to decipher, but we have to talk about the ramifications of it for the Browns because uh, as a player, they were somewhat expecting him to be a part of this thing, right? Like they were expecting him to play some kind of role. I thought late last year there were flashes for him of a player that could be decent. So I, again, most of us had thought that this training camp or early season they could bring in, the name that we've all said a million times, Matt Ionidas or sue has been flo- floated around. There's a lot of names. It's not like we were expecting that to not happen. I think many of us thought it would happen regardless. But with Winfrey, he was young, and you saw some flashes, and you would you would have hoped that he could take another. So this does sort of stink from that perspective. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, to just kind of echo something you said, it it, it you know, the, I think that there was already some noise about him working his way off the roster before this happened. So, you know, credit to the Browns for not wasting time, uh, to your point, you know, they, they, this, this hit and, and he was gone right away. And, and, um, yeah, maybe they had advance notice that it was coming, coming across, but they, they, uh, you know, they acted quickly and decisively. And I think they really deserve credit for that because I, I was a little worried that they were going to, you know, try and, uh, hang this out for a while. And, you know, and, and, and kind of go through the whole, you know, learning process route or whatever, let the process play out, but they didn't do that. And I, I appreciate that
1: for sure. So it looks like Winfrey is sort of uh, pushing himself. I mean, again, multiple incidents like this, I I don't, it's hard to sit here and say that I feel like he's going to be on some other roster at some point. It's not, it's not going in a very good direction for him. So uh, with, with Winfrey's situation, obviously no longer with the Browns. I think what you start to think about is does it open the door for somebody else, right? Uh, whether that's a signing, whether that's a player, we'll start with the signing aspect. Do you think that it's gone from will they sign somebody to now they just flat out have to sign somebody?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think in my mind, um, it, you know, I, I was trying to think about this, you know, I, I, uh, did Brad Ward's podcast. And so was kind of having the same conversation with him. Uh, I I feel like Winfrey probably with this depth chart is, was fourth, maybe fourth or fifth, maybe, you know, like if you could see Andrew Barry's, you know, defensive tackle depth chart right now. So, you know, I mean, Tomlinson obviously is one with a bullet. Elliot apparently is going to start again uh, for, for better or worse. Uh, and then you've got Siaki Ika, who I think as the as the new guy probably gets the benefit of the doubt, right? Because he's Jim Schwartz's pick, uh, I assume. So at 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 sort of at best, Winfrey is four, maybe he's five. He was right on the roster bubble. He's going to be competing with Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill, you know, and to a lesser extent Tommy Togiai, right? And uh, you know this guy Mo- Michael Dwumfor, who who came from from uh, you know other practice squads and was a an addition at the end of the season uh, for a reserve contract, you know. I, I, so I think. I mean, they, they, I, I have said, you know, kind of all off season that they need to add another veteran presence. Ideally, to me, it would be Tomlinson and a, and another vet starting, and then Elliot. If you want to keep Elliot, make him a, a backup. But I, I do think, you know, uh, I, I don't know how much this release happening right now totally changes their picture in the same way that, you know, uh, an injury to one of the the starters would.
1: Yeah. So uh, last year, Winfrey played 342 snaps, third most of the defensive tackle group. Togi, I played 225. So you're going to supplement Taven Bryan's 642. Those go to Tomlinson. Elliot. at this point largely remains the same. And then you're looking at banking on one of those two, Uh, you know, veterans who either Tristan Hill, who's been mired with injuries and and disappointing play and Maurice Hurst. I I, I really would prefer that they don't go that route. I just, I I would in, let me say this. They've done a lot of things to shore up, not being in a position where they have a glaring weakness on the field. So if you're all in, then be all in, like make that move for something that is, you're not going to break any situation in the future by signing a defensive tackle that matters. Now, who knows? There could be some sort of disgruntled player leading up to the season. There could be a trade opportunity that happens. That stuff, you never know. Maybe Aaron Donald is just pricing Strongsville real estate. You know, maybe that's happening. But like, you know, we
2: can hope. I, yeah. I
1: we we can hope. But but to me, I don't feel great about this idea of well, Tommy Togi probably is the most likely to stick on the roster because that's just it's not an NFL player, man. And I don't right. want to put. 200 plus snaps on the field of that again in this division where every snap counts and I don't want them taking a player out there trying to mask hide a player out there where I don't feel like many teams in this division that are really good are doing that sort of thing. at really any position just hoping for the best. So I think that there's an, an element of, why not if you're if you're gonna put all your chips in, then why why leave that twenty five dollar chip in the corner? like put all your chips in, man? like that yeah. that should be the plan here. So no, I, I hope I that there's an angle it. to rectify now if if this pushes them in that direction, then that's the best outcome. But I haven't caught any wind of it and and you know the the o b r insider group today got kind of a scoop about that. that might not even be the case. So I'm a little worried about glossing over that and considering the 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 mohurst. Tristan Hill duo is like some answer here that that's not a great answer to me.
2: I agree. I mean, we, this is a conversation that we had in March when they signed those contracts because they signed Tomlinson right off the jump and it's like, okay, now go get another one, a cheaper one, you know, but another one. And, and now you've got a, a brand new starting tandem. And then they signed Hurst and Hill. And my point at the time was, okay, well, if you're signing Hurst and Hill, you kind of can't sign another veteran because, you know, why are you signing those contracts if you're just going to sign another guy that pushes Hurst and Hill right off the roster? I mean, they're, they're going to keep yeah. four. Maybe they keep five at the absolute most. Then they drafted another one. So, like, right now, Tomlinson and the the way they redid uh, Elliott's contract and Ika, I think, are all in pen, in my mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really one spot that we're talking about here. And, you know. I agree with you that, in my mind, the right way to do that would be to to bring in somebody else that's a sort of you know uh no nonsense uh, six million dollar type player to take that other spot, but they didn't do that, and I guess I kind of wonder now, I don't know that that player is available is is my at this point you know is Matt ionitis you know a, a a starter right now in this league is Shelby Harris? A starter level player. Is it clear that that's an upgrade over what you might get from Maurice Hurst or Tristan Hill or you know? I mean, even Jordan Elliott. I I I guess I'm just not sold on that right now. And I I've kind of come around to their way of thinking of like, let's keep the flexibility that they have right now of the cap space and the you know the the assets that they have, and let's see kind of what this. Let's let this play out over the next month, and then if they if they get to those you know they always talk about those practices, right, with the Eagles as being sort of the, that's the real bellwether, more than the preseason games, because that'll be ones-on-ones on ones in a controlled environment. Let's get to there, and if if they get to that point, and it's clear that, you know, Jordan Elliott is the same Jordan Elliott from last year, then they got to make that move. But I don't know that they have to do it like right now.
1: Okay, right now not necessary, but I think if we're having a conversation week three about, this defensive 100%. tackle group that'll yeah. be really frustrating all right moving on from winfrey uh, we're going to go through tryouts that happened for the browns today i'm just going to read them off to you see how many of these guys you know you ready andrew <laughs> let's see so they worked out two offensive tackles which is interesting grand mm-hmm. valley state's quentin barrow virginia's eric smith they worked out two wide receivers jacor pearson from Mississippi, who I believe was – was he an XFL or – Yeah, XFL. US, he was an XFL stud. Okay, so that was one people were excited about, but no no signing happened there. They also worked out Alabama-Birmingham's Austin Watkins. They worked out uh, one defensive tackle, Virginia Tech's Jordan Williams, three linebackers, Noah Dawkins, Dylan Doyle. Uh, Dawkins is from uh, the Citadel, which I used to pronounce growing up, having no clue how to pronounce that, Catattle. I, was, oh, I nice. figured out eventually that I was wrong. So, yeah, Citadel is, I guess, whatever. I think they can really make a marketing change, but we'll move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baylor's linebacker Dylan Doyle, and then linebacker Clarence Hicks from Texas San Antonio, and then a defensive end from Texas State, Levi Bell, and then one tight end, Marcus Ball, which should be your you remember from Ohio State, caught a very famous touchdown in, uh, with... Uh, you know, I think they were wearing the, those gray out night uniforms against Penn State. He caught a he caught a touchdown in like the right corner to win the game. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was still J T Barrett playing quarterback then. But I remember Marcus Ball from that touchdown. He was a d- little disappointing at Ohio State. Uh, and then Denzel Okafor, guard from Texas. So that's the list. It's a wide variety of guys. I did not see them sign anybody, so that could come in the near future. Maybe they're working these guys out, and then they get down to. Greenbrier and figure out they don't have enough bodies out there to do certain rotational right. units. I mean, three linebackers stand out, two tackles stand out, so they're probably just trying to look at Phil. Yep. You know, hey, we got first, second, and third teams here. You want to be able to run through those, and these are the guys that they brought in to uh, to work out. So this is the yeah. NFL releases a list of these, yeah, uh, all the
2: time. So really good news for me because three or four of those guys are on my Dynasty Football League team. So
3: well, there you go. Yeah. Never, so it, yeah. It,
2: like. The the bench of my dynasty team right now is mostly guys that are not currently in the league. So really hoping for a few contracts to get signed over the next few days.
1: I'm pulling for you. Really Thanks, pulling man.
2: for you. All right, anyway,
1: moving on. So one thing I want to hit on real quick is, you know, when we're talking about that defensive tackle group and who stands out uh, from that group and launching themselves. Cody, our, our own Cody Silk wrote an article about four veterans that he thinks needs to need to practice well, need to have great training camps, both preseason and games, uh, sorry, preseason practices to make the roster. Here's the four that he pointed out. Anthony Schwartz. I think at this point, Anthony Schwartz is firmly on the outside looking in. I would be really surprised if he's not on the practice squad or another practice squad. Do you think some other team claims him and he finds a way to go somewhere else?
2: Um, there's a few pretty rough wide receiver situations that I could see, you know, maybe it's worth a flyer just because of the speed, you know, and, uh, and I could see a wide receiver coach that thinks that they, you know, can really coach him up, that thinks that they can do something the Browns didn't do. Uh, so, you know, maybe, but but yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a practice squad player right now. And I, I mean, yeah, he, he's definitely on that list of guys that, in my mind, he's more on the list of guys like, I mean, Winfrey's not on the team anymore, but the thing with like a guy like Perrion Winfrey, and I'm not comparing them, you know, obviously different reasons why they're where they are, but it's more in that sort of like struggling to stay in the league category is how I would classify Schwartz. I don't think he has any chance of making this fifty three. I mean, I shouldn't say any, but you know, it's going to be a, an uphill battle, like you said, on the outside looking in.
1: He would need to have some explosive preseason catches, who just like, oh, yeah, okay, mean, he's adding. He would to have to
2: dominate him. start to finish, yeah. training camp, preseason, the whole nine yards.
1: Agreed. All right, Demetric Felton is next. Uh, the running back, wide receiver, seems like he's back to running back. I think Demetrik Felton's on the roster until he's not. Like, I think that their decision not to to bring in a veteran running back yeah. has pushed me to where, who else is, I mean, it's him or John Kelly. And I think there are moments from John Kelly over the past few years that have been mm-hmm. solid, mm-hmm. but I think his element as a pass catcher out of the backfield lends me to think he's making the roster as of today. I, I really, again, and I hate that it's sort of that de facto who else is it going to be but i'm really like who else is it going to be so I, I think that that's the situation we're in so i think he's there again unless he's horrible which is possible he could have a really bad camp and force yeah. their hand to, to acquire somebody off of the market reminder again like it is just one time i mean guys could get cut but teams aren't mandated to cut people as they are, have been in the past so there's a chance that you really only get one shot at the waiver wire in terms of like the run through here. Just I I'm fascinated by how different that'll all look with the waiver wire. Like teams only forced to get down to 53 after the third preseason game and what that rush of free like like waiver wire guys looks like. I don't know. It's going to be strange because you're used to getting that crack at that like three times, but uh, we're, we're only going to see it there at the end of the end of the preseason. So Uh, Felton is on the roster until he proves he can't handle It's kind of the way that I'll frame that one. Do you think that Felton is uh, a guy that, that should be on the roster at this point because of, uh, ability, or do you think it's just sort of situationally he's all they have at the third spot right now?
2: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I was trying, I'm trying to think of the year. Yep. I was it maybe 21, where they just didn't have a third tight end, and it was like, or was it just last year? They it was just didn't last have a year. It was just last year. Yeah, okay, they, so they they brought like they started with Miller Forrestall, yeah. then that's they did right. the Jesse James. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. It was just last year. So they they had they had uh, Najoku and Bryant, and then it was like Miller. from for all of preseason, it was Miller Forrestall, and it's like they're not going to keep Miller Forrestall, right? But then,
1: yeah,
2: if they don't add anybody, they kind of have to keep Miller Forrestall. And then they, they, yeah, they, then Jesse James got hurt. And then, and then Pharaoh Brown showed up like week one or week two and kind of solved the problem. I, I, that's how this feels to me. Right. Is like, they know they don't currently have the third running back they want, but they're not motivated to like fix the problem because it's not a problem, you know, because it's early or mid July. Right. So like Felton's going to get, I think every chance to make the team. Um, but I also could see this being a situation where they get to that final cut down and if he hasn't done enough and they have like eight defensive ends, they want to try and sneak through, they cut Felton, keep the defensive ends and then adjust the roster, you know, uh, after a few days go by.
1: Listen, sensitive running back market right now. They don't even want to be talked about on podcasts. These guys, Yeah, I mean, there's also,
2: yeah, there's all right. There's also that dimension, which is like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, by the end of the training camp, Dalvin cook might be signing for the veteran minimum. So who knows, man,
1: <laughs> it's going in. It's not going in a good direction for them. No, I'll say that no, it is the other poorly. guy, we very poorly. The other guy we just talked about, Tommy Togi. I, I think he's on the outside looking in and has to yep. have a really stellar, uh, all of it, camp preseason games. He needs to make some, some splash plays and, uh, i just i don't see it man i really don't see one element of what he does that tells me he's an nfl defensive tackle i really don't
2: yeah schwartz and Togi are in the same bucket where like if they made the team i would even them having done that i'd be like okay but for real you know like i would yeah i wouldn't even if they did it i wouldn't believe that it was the right decision you know like if felton makes it have more questions exactly exactly yeah felton makes it's like okay he must have shown them something but if or Schwartz make it. It's like something is wrong here. agreed
1: that that they should have a better player there and that they didn't address it in the way they needed to uh to 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 keep those like they should have been fighting in the coach's office. How do we keep these guys off the roster? No offense, but exactly um next is Nick Harris. and I think that Nick Harris obviously is fighting an uphill battle to be the second center largely because of where his contract sits against Luke Whippler, who's a similar player. Uh, coming into a situation that, that favors him incredibly. Obviously, Nick coming back off the knee injury is one thing, but then it's like how many center-only guys? You don't want to keep two offensive linemen who are center-only guys. Right. Nick has has flashed. He can be an effective center, and I, I say that loosely because he only really played in one game. I watched him play guard as a rookie, and that was not encouraging. So no. it's hard to see them keeping two center-only types behind postage so and i think that there's their decision to resign postage tells a story in and of itself mm-hmm. but like to me if i'm keeping one of the two i mean you have to see whipler suit up does he does he even look remotely ready to come into a game if he needed to there's some there's some analysis tied to that but like if you look at the four tackles are locked in you talk about two guards then you talk about michael dunn Maybe there's Forbes. Like, there's not a ton of leeway here for extra bodies. Like, it's whether they go nine or 10. I could yeah. see a world where they go 10 and Harris makes it, but uh, I'm not altogether positive Harris isn't on the outside looking in situationally right now. Now, if he comes into camp and he's beating the shit out of Whippler every drill and he's playing really well, they're going to have to analyze it. And potentially he could be a guy that they trade if, yeah. if we're being honest. Yeah. So. Keep that in mind as well too, but but I think this is a good write up from Cody, and I, I would I would agree that Nick Harris is sort of right on that fringe, and he needs to be really good to start uh, start camp and right right at the beginning of these preseason games.
2: Yeah, I mean, you in know, in strange way it kind of matters what they do at guard, you know, to to decide what they're going to do at center because I don't think they I I don't think they can have you know the only. Center on the roster other than ethan postage be Luke Whippler right if postage gets hurt mm-hmm. week two you're either bringing somebody in off of somebody else's team or you're or you're starting a sixth round rookie i, I that doesn't wash to me so that you know so like michael dunn has has played center. I don't know if West Martin the guy they signed from Washington has or not. I know forbes has has played center so it, you see what I mean like I think they're gonna need the backup center to actually be one of the backup guards. And then Whipler is going to be more of a stash, really, because I just don't see a world in which this offensive line, with the amount of talent that they have, the amount of depth that they want to keep around, where they're like, yeah, no, but a sixth round center, or a sixth round rookie, I'm, I, you know, I feel good about that.
1: Yeah, I think that they've they've done something like this in the past, because obviously Harris is a rookie. He yeah. started over, you know, he started at guard. I, I, right. I could see Whippler, like I could see them being okay with. Whippler playing center in a game but i don't want to for be forced to like like have him playing guard or something like where they had harris playing guard
2: no i, I don't i don't
1: want that to be the outcome i yeah. I, I don't i mean again i need to ass- we need to assess through preseason games whether yeah whether whip even good enough to play center i i right. mean like right away there there yeah. could be that element of it too so i don't know you look at if you again if you go back up by by position and you include Whippler in that backup by position, you're looking at that's your ten guys. So if you went Jed, Joel, Ethan, Wyatt, and Jack, and then your next group at tackle is Hudson and Dewan Jones, then you have Forbes and Michael Dunn, and then it's like your your ten, your tenth player is either Nick or Whipler, right? At that point, unless they decided we don't want Forbes or somebody has a really awful camp. But right. you really can't afford Michael Dunn to have an on he, he can't afford to have that awful camp. No, like he's yeah. going to be counted yeah. on. So right. I, I just, With I Cody just think Goss they will be there. Like you said, Wes right. Martin is there. I, I mean, there's yeah. like, there's some names, but yeah. I think the, the
2: main way that Nick Harris makes this team is if they feel like he's their best backup center option, which is a dumb thing to say. But what I'm trying to say is like, remember last year, Yelda Froholt was a backup guard, but then when they had center problems, he became the center.
1: Agreed. And I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just tough with, with keeping two center-only guys. It really is. I agree. I agree. You,
2: I agree. You lose
1: flexibility. You yeah. lose so much flexibility yeah. there. So uh, I don't know how much they save by if they actually let him go. I'm not sure what that looks like or if yeah. there's like a money element. Because sometimes it's important to remember when you look at these cuts, the decisions these teams make is following the money. Like if mm-hmm. a guy's already been paid, it's likely that they – like if he's been paid in years past and he's just got a way you know, at this point, Nick is in the third year of his situation. I don't think they lose much by letting him go. That's kind right. of the point. They haven't yeah. invested everything I, they've
2: invested has already come to, to pass, right? And to your point, uh, you know, another team would be very smart to snatch Nick Harris up because you get a, basically a one year rental because he'll yeah. be a free agent after this year. So uh you would you would have basically a chance to audition him, you know, if if you're a, a team that has you know questions at center. And I think you could probably get them for pretty cheap right now. So that, that to me, I mean, you know, I, I'm not a general manager in the NFL, but if I was, if I was, that's, that's a te- player that I would be thinking like, you know, a team like the Cardinals, for example, where, you know, uh, Drew Petzing has a lot of experience with Nick Harris. That makes a ton of sense yeah. to me. That's a good call.
1: Okay. Well, that's the list of four Cody provided. There are certainly other names we could go through that need to have those, those promising performances, but those are, a lot of those are names we're pretty familiar with. They've been around the Browns for a minute. They've, you know, We've been exposed to what type of player those guys are. So it is now, like at the end of those rookie contracts, imperative for those guys to flash and, and be good because when you reach the end of some of these guys taking third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, the team starts to move them around and shuffle them out if they're not performing for the younger bodies that they've brought in. So those guys need to perform well. I think of of that group, the only one that screams trade potential something in return it's it's harris I, yeah. I i think that's probably it there so uh felton's on the on the up and up but again he has to perform i, I don't think that's just going to be handed to him because if there is a cheap vet on the market there's no reason to not sign one i mean there really isn't if you can get these guys for next to nothing it's uh it's silly to think that you shouldn't you know have some answer behind nick chubb again you're kind of a, you're putting yourself in the lap i like jerome ford but i don't want too much to land in jerome ford's lap and i still think defensive tackle and running back are the two spots that that scream to me places that they could add somebody quite comfortably without ruffling any feathers if they were to go uh, make that sort of move okay we're gonna take a break come back from break start talking about wrap up the afc north with the pittsburgh steelers we'll be right back
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
1: These You think they're done. Like We think the Steelers are going to fade into oblivion. They're going to have some bad years. And listen, while that is on the table, it's not hard to look at this roster and say, this group could be bad. This could be a six-win team. This could be a five-win. You could convince me this is a top-seven selecting team next year. If Kenny Pickett's terrible, which is very possible, you could convince me that. But they don't know how to lose. This organization has just proven time and time again through Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, all these guys that they've thrown out there at quarterback, and some of the situations they've had up front, some of the offensive coordinators running this, they do not know how to lose. It's not in their DNA, and I think we're going to talk about Mike Tomlin a ton because Mike Tomlin deserves to be talked about. How how he, I know that Steelers fans are upset that he has not given them more rings, but he has taken some very disappointing rosters and aging at spots and literally carried them and found a way to uplift them into playoffs uh, scenarios a lot. Now, they have not been a serious Super Bowl contender for a while Andrew. They haven't. They just haven't. But they have also proven that we don't know how to be bad. They don't know how to be bad and they continue to overachieve. And as I look at this roster, there are spots within said roster that are interesting, but it's not great. Okay? So we talk about what did they what did they lose? What did they gain? Um their marquee additions are Patrick Peterson, Isaac Siumalu at guard, and Cole Holcomb at linebacker. Well, they lost Cam Sutton, who's a fine um, you know, third, fourth uh, defensive back, nickel, outside at times. And then they lost Miles Jack. I don't know if that's a marquee subtraction so much as it's just a marquee name in the NFL. Let's go through it. Wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Fun. Deontay Johnson, a nice player. Problem is he doesn't consistently catch the football, which which really brings his ceiling down a notch or two. George Pickens, a great rookie season, up above 800 yards. Although you wonder what type of receiver is he, right? You got to remember, guys like this happen in the NFL where they, they come into the league. They're not a diverse route tree type of route runner and don't always then carry over the ball skills at the catch point year to year. You're talking about a guy they just let go to Chicago. You know, uh, uh, Claypool, Chase Claypool. Like it's a similar thing. Can he continue to get better? You can you can be the type of player George Pickens is and get to 800 yards, but if you want to be an 11, 12, 1300 yard receiver, there needs to be more added to his game. So he's good uh, from a football field perspective, but what goes beyond that for him? Outside of that, it's rough, man. It's rough. They have Allen Robinson, who is. You know, he's there. He's not been a functioning receiver that's mattered for a couple seasons. They have Miles Boykin, who came over from Baltimore, who has done very little. Hakeem Butler, Calvin Austin the third, and then, you know, I'm not really gonna move past that. There's not I mean your boy Gunner is there. Um, <laughs> but but that's that's the group. At running back, you have Najee Harris, who had a nicer end of last year than than his beginning. Um, so he's he's fine. I'm not, I, I don't find myself being afraid of Najee Harris. He's fine. Um, an adequate running back. Jalen Warren has some nice talent behind him. Uh, the fullback is Connor Hayward, who's kind of a hybrid tight end for them. The tight end group is Pat Fryermuth, uh, who, who's, uh, who's, who's good. I think Pat Fryermuth is fine. He's fun. He's kind of like a, Throwback to the Heath Miller type that they've had, not a not a dynamic tight end, but a but a good enough tight end. They drafted Darnell Washington, who everybody and, and their mother uh, on Twitter told me was going to be the next great thing at time. At least maybe it happens for him, but um, you know he's taken in the third round. We'll see. Uh, the offensive line is getting praise as being vastly improved. They took Broderick Jones in the first round. Left tackle will be their starter. Uh, Isaac Ciamalo from, they signed over from Pittsburgh or sorry, from Philadelphia. He's had a lot of injuries in his career. So we'll see if they get a healthy version of him the way the Eagles had last year. Mason Cole as their center, James Daniels has moved to guard and has been their guard. Um, Backups, they've, they've drafted these guards and centers like Kevin Dotson was a fourth round pick in 20. Kendrick green was a third round pick in 21. And those guys have really disappointed for them. The starting right tackles. They call him Chucks, but it's Chuck Wuma a Okorafor. So he was the third-round pick in 2018. He's okay. He's fine. That's the offense. Andrew, I, I, yeah, what's your is. reaction to – what? I mean, they're Matt Canada again. Yep. Matt Canada gets mocked. Like, he was being picked on by smart football minds who really – because, you know, those guys who get out and study the entire league. Yep. Just, just pinpointing things that Canada's making that offense ridiculously simple embarrassingly simple at times and you know Matt Canada's like this guru of of why you know this this motion movement things at Maryland and wherever else he's been and I I don't see it I I I think this offense is I I guess it it depends on what they get from Kenny Pickett in year two man but like it's hard to see this being a top 15 offense i have a hard time seeing that what do you what do you think
2: i mean i i hear you jake i I, i'm right there with you but they finished what the last second half of 2022 they were top top 10 top 8 in offensive dvoa so is that true did they did they finish top 10 well not for the season they didn't but the second half of the year they were top 10 so yeah, yeah yeah Uh, and I, you know, that you you want to say like, well, maybe the schedule changed, but of course, DVOA adjusts for that. So, uh, you know, I mean, is is there some some level of you know they happen to ha- catch some some teams in some bad spots? I don't know enough. I'm not going to pour through the schedule. You know, I mean, to your to your big point that you kind of started with, Jake, I, I would just say that um, this is a team whose downfall we have sort of been preying on and predicting for, for a few years now. And it keeps being sort of delayed to the point where now, if this version clicks, you're starting to talk about them o- opening another contention window. Right. Because they have not really, as you said, they have not truly been contending uh, for a, quite a few years because the Roethlisberger's declined, uh, And he, you know, he did not age gracefully and he, and he took a long time to get out of there. Uh, yeah. But but if if Pickett is good this year, they've got two more rookie contract years. Well, three more with the the fifth year option. You know he'll be cheap for a while. So uh, if if he hits and the defense, you know, can I mean they just resigned Highsmith. I, you know they they as crazy as it is to sound, they would be back into the middle of the mix by next year. But I also think Full transparency.
1: Andrew does have a lot of Kenny Pickett stock in fantasy football right now. <laughs> so i just i was gonna make- say that
2: but i didn't want to bring up my dynasty team twice in one episode uh, well, well i did it for be. you yeah you no i i more kenny Pickett stock than i want to own yeah. honestly uh but
1: you, you were forced into you were forced yeah, into one and such, and of certain, certain circumstances into sort of the
2: dictated other. that yeah, yeah um yeah. i think there was a jordan love pick that uh may or may not have been made by jake burns you know we, we don't we don't need to get into the weeds on this my point is Neither here nor the, there. Yeah, it's that's right. It's this is that yeah. dynasty football is always irrelevant. Um <laughs> the <laughs> the Steelers have we have expected it for a while. I kind of wonder if it's one of those things where it happens like in an unexpected time, right? Because everybody was kind of expecting it last year. It didn't happen. So now everybody's like, well, Mike Tomlin simply cannot have a losing record. And you know, I, I mean, I just the the thing I start with is look at how good all the other teams in the division are, right? If we think the Browns are going to be as good as we think the Browns are going to be, we we think the Ravens are going to be really good, and the Bengals are the Bengals. The the Steelers could easily go zero and six in the division, right? Uh, I, it's and, ve-
1: it's very possible.
2: Yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, I I'm not sitting here predicting a five and twelve season for the Steelers or anything like that, but I'm just making the point that. Sometimes in the NFL, the expected thing happens a year after you expect it to happen, right? Yep,
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. And plus, sometimes it's so injury driven and fl- like times you well, catch yes, teams and stuff right. like that. So and, and here's and, and to that ahead.
2: point, their depth across the offense is really thin, right? Like very thin. They have a wide receiver injury or two, and like you said, they're playing some no name guys there because I don't really think Allen Robinson can do much anymore either. So they really have got two wide receivers on that roster.
1: Here's the points they scored over their final eight games. 30 and a shootout loss to the Bengals. Then 24, 19, uh, 14, 24, 13, 16, and then 28 against the Browns to close. So mm. here's the de- here's the defensive numbers though. This is where this is. And we'll talk about this now. They go the 37. They gave up to the Bengals in that shootout, but then they go 17, 16, 16, 16, 10, 13, 14. So it is bad as I think that on paper, it's not bad. Like they're just sort of an average offense. You look at the defense and this is like, this is where it comes and goes. I mean, this is Mike Tomlin. Like we're, t- we're going to yep. talk about who are they? They're Mike. They're Mike Tomlin. They yep, are about. driven by this guy's ability to put really, really good defenses on the field, despite looking at it and being like, who? Some of these guys, you don't understand it. So here it is. Uh, They're an odd front team, which so many of these teams in the division are really the Ravens and Steelers are the odd front lovers. So uh, Larry Ogunjobi is one of their, their sort of strong side tackle Um, Keanu Benton, who they draft in the second round, which I will say they had a draft where I was like, okay, I like a lot of their picks getting Keanu Benton in the second round, I think is a really fun outcome for them. He's slated to start, DeMarvin Leo will be kind of around that conversation, a third-round pick last year. Obviously, Cam Hayward ankles that anchors the interior, more, more heavily inside-aligned defensive tackle role for them, uh, backed up by one of the more fun names in the NFL, Isaiah Loudermilk, another mm-hmm. Wisconsin product. Uh, Rush Edge guys, they just signed back Alex Highsmith now. Uh, sorry, extended him like 17 a year, I think. They, he's yep. been a pleasant surprise. They had Bud Dupree with TJ Watt. Dupree was pretty good. They didn't want to pay him. Tennessee ended up paying him. It's worked out quite well for Pittsburgh to let him walk. Yep. They bring in this third-round kid, Alex Highsmith, um, kind of took a flyer on him, a lot of upside. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, he's out of Charlotte, kind of similar to him and Larry Ogunjobi shared the, the Charlotte connection. And he's been really good for them, obviously, yeah. highly productive. So that rush group, the front with the edge rush guys, are, are they're dangerous. Now, the interior linebackers – they they had spent serious money on that position with Devin Bush and Miles Jack. They said we're letting that go, and they bring in Cole Holcomb. They bring in Alandon Roberts from Miami. I think it's fair to say that's a questionable group. Now they had dealt with a lot of injuries, and they were playing like Robert Spillane was a name I know the Browns picked on in game plans and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that bad when you consider it's just name recognition stuff. Where it's like I watch Devin Bush and and Miles Jack be pretty. Uh, i'll say average at times yeah i think they feel like they can get that play repl- replicated mm-hmm. from these two and then they brought in tanner muse from seattle who's sort of a little chess piece that they can use there so otherwise another second round pick uh, i will i would be remiss to not mention uh, they took an edge rusher that myself cory kennan really really liked wisconsin kid nick herbick uh, in the fourth round who's just going to be a player that they can deploy in a bunch of fun ways undersized but like i hate that he's in pittsburgh i really do yeah uh joey porter jr they took in the second round another marquee pick for them top like that's the player they took with the bears pick actually yep at the yep. top of the second round uh so obviously a bun, He's like a he's a uh what do they call that a franchise name or a legacy
2: name yeah he's joey a legacy porter. that's right
1: legacy um opposite of joey porter is supposed to be levi wallace out of buffalo Some good, some bad from Levi Wallace. They think like like this, our lads has Patrick Peterson slated to play the nickel. We'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. Um, End of his career, Patrick Peterson. It's the same thing with Joe Hayden, though, where you're like, Joe Hayden can't keep being good. Well, he found a way to be a really competent player. I have not a doubt in my mind, Patrick Peterson will be a competent player for them. Great, no. But the way they structure their coverages and move people around and get funky, like, they they hide players better than anybody. They drafted Corey Trice, late seventh rounder out of Purdue, who's got a, a decent profile. I think they're going to try to mold him. Uh, the safety group, Demonte Casey, comes over from Dallas. Really, a part of the Atlanta was where his best years were. Him and Keanu Neal both had Atlanta stretches. Uh, Keanu Neal comes over from Tampa, but those were those two made their NFL names in Atlanta. So those are going to be the guys opposite Minka Fitzpatrick who continues to be I think Minka's pretty good. Yep. Really good. Yep. Um but but yeah that's the defense. Some spots you could pinpoint uh, as as far as like you could pick on them, but it's a solid group man. It's a solid group. Really I mean you call them really good because they they continue to play really good football. I mean Cam Hayward can retire any minute. Like I'm sure Joel Batonio's so tired of blocking that trying to block that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still really good you have super duper stars in Hayward and TJ Watt you got some young promising really really high upside types with you know i mean Alex Highsmith is developed but between Keanu Benton, Nick Herbig Joey Porter if they hit on those three it's very possible you're starting to talk about defense that's got some ability to adjust and uh, add depth on the fly here and uh, i just I, I like i like what they have now again like the Levi Wallace Patrick Peterson young joey porter jr you could see where they could struggle a little bit but i still expect this defense to be extremely good I i don't think yep. we can sit here and call for their demise
2: the way we can the offense do you agree with that i do i do and i think you know i mean this is this is where you know we've had these sorts of conversations throughout this entire series of just you know the browns are in the the most competent division in football you know it it just is i mean uh, you know, you, you mentioned Chase Claypool earlier, trading a, a limited player in Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears for a pick that ended up being 32 because the Dolphins forfeited their first-round pick. So you're actually technically, and every other year, 32 is a first-round pick. You're trading Chase Claypool for that? I mean, that's yep. a, a heist of a heist of a heist, man. Just after, you know, I saw some glowing stuff about Ryan Pace a few weeks ago, about how much he works or whatever. Well, hey, that must have been the week he took off because that's just it's an absolute an awful, giveaway.
1: awful, awful trade. It's <laughs> yeah. fun
2: watching Bears
1: people try to convince themselves that that wasn't an awful trade.
2: It's an it's awful so trade bad. for most wide receivers in the NFL, let alone Chase Claypool. You know, like, I mean, that's overpaying yeah. for a lot of wide receivers. You, you look at what the Browns gave up for Amari Cooper. I know the contract things are not exactly the same, but man uh anyway so I, so the I, idea I, that that the, one can that one will go down in recent memory i
1: think it, it's bad one of the worst and, ones and the seen. idea that
2: the steelers yeah. would turn whatever it was what they have what two years left of chase claypool into joey porter jr who you know i mean nice. like i i'm not going to try and crown him yet because he's a rookie and everything but he's got the look you know and he, as you said he's got the legacy that's just the sort of stuff that you just sit back and you say that's yeah that's what life is like in the afc north man you're you just are absolutely spinning gold out of out of nothing so yeah
1: it'd be really nice for idiots to take over some of these franchises yeah right I mean, and
2: really they right. And, right and that's a great point jake because they just had a change in leadership right it used to be kevin colbert now it's omar yeah. khan and apparently he's better <laughs> so it was yeah, yeah you don't
1: things you don't love to hear that's near right. the right there,
2: yeah there's an exasperation so, behind all of this but no i mean you you nailed it on the defense they, they had that draft that the Ravens had last year where every time they pick somebody, it was like, oh, I love that guy. Oh, yeah, I love that yeah. guy. You know, they had that draft, and that's fine. I mean, you know, drafts are drafts, but you you got to figure some of those guys are going to hit. I mean, that, you know, and, and like you said, they've got a great combination of really solid veteran players who are tone setters, but then they've also added a lot of youth, and that's usually a very effective combination to building like a really dominant defense. So, you know, I mean, to to your point about, the defense probably won't disappoint in the same way the offense might. I agree with you. And I think if the Steelers have, if they're around the top five, top seven in defense, the the offense doesn't have to be gangbusters for them to be right in the conversation again, just like they were last year. That's the key point,
1: right, is that the offense doesn't have to be great. If you can, you know, what a lot of people loved is that You know, Kenny Pickett was able to have these at the end of the season. The stats were ugly, but he was leading these guys on drives that mattered at the end of the game. And I always find that interesting, right, where he's got this clutch gene. You got to think the defense is keeping you alive because their offense was really bad at times. I mean, like some ugly, ugly performances, but they were just doing enough to win games late. And it's like that's kind of, in in my opinion, going to be what it's all about this year yeah, again is right. their defense will keep them in games and it's going to be whether they can close them late with some key drives. I, I think yeah. that's what I, it'll come down
2: to. And, and you know, the the keeping it close allows the running game to stay viable. They love to run the ball with yeah. Najee Harris. So they, you know, I think, you know, looking at, at their season, the way you kind of described it down the stretch there, what that tells me is that the defense was holding other teams down. So the Steelers never got behind. So they were able to keep yeah. the, the, the run game working. They were able to kind of keep that balanced offense and protect the rookie quarterback. And if they're able to do that again this year, I don't see why that offense couldn't be just as efficient as it was last year down the stretch. And yeah. then that's, I mean, look, the, those pieces coming together means they're a playoff team or around there, you know? And I mean, again, I know earlier I was saying they might go 0 6 of the division. So I'm, Maybe I'm a little over the place, but I think the point is, is when you've got Mike Tomlin, you can't count these guys out. You really can't. And and, no. and they have, it's not just Mike Tomlin. It's all the veterans on both sides of the ball. They've they've got a professional football team. And yeah, you, there's not going to be a year. What, what would their record have to be over the first half for you to not expect to see them in the in the hunt graphic by week 16? They'd have to be like two and six. Well, I, right? I was just,
1: yeah, I was, I was just looking at their their opening schedule. So they get San Francisco at home to open the season. Honestly, not a great yeah. time to get San Francisco because it's early. They're fresh. Actually, Shanahan has yeah. is, is kind of demolished Pittsburgh when he's played them. Not great. Now, yeah. if the Browns come in week two, that prime time, and they fall to 0-2,
3: Mm-hmm. that
1: gets dicey now like again pittsburgh cleveland going into pittsburgh it doesn't happen they don't win That's regular right. season games yeah. there i think like you and i have covered this oh three or something like that yeah. so 03. you know i get it that they won the playoff game but but until i see them go in and win a regular season game in front of 65 70,000 people I, I need to yeah. see it That's so you know that's going to be the Browns roll out their all white helmet stuff. It's going to be a really big game, and and yeah. there's a chance that both of those teams come into that game zero and one. I don't want to yeah. s- I don't want to be a bummer of all bummers here, but like the Bengals are a really tough draw for your opener. So yep. there's a chance both teams are on one, and that kind of dictates where they go because after that game they have two very winnable games. They ho- they go to Las Vegas, and then they go to the Texans, two very that's, winnable games. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. then they host Baltimore. They go then they go out to L. A. Then they host. Jacksonville, I mean, like their early season has some opportunity here. I'm yep. sure they're looking at it because like the middle of it, you know, you're going out to LA, not a good team, but you're going out there. You come back and you, you play Jacksonville at home. You host the Titans, pesky. The Packers, we'll see what they are. You know, we don't really know, but they get that three-game home stretch and then they go back to Cleveland, to Cincinnati, host the Cardinals, host the Patriots, travel to Indy. It's um, it's a lot. It's a schedule, a lot like the Browns, where there are, there are, there are peaks and valleys of what's going to be challenging. But to your question originally, yeah, it would take them being and ins- six. It's just like I, as much as you- there's a whole bunch of prove it. Like the Browns, the roster looks good. The coaching staff's in line. We'll, we'll prove it, man. Prove it that we should believe in you. I got I to gotta see it proven that they can be bad. I've said it for too many straight years. I was slow on the belief that the Bengals were going to be this, this perennial powerhouse in this division. Mm-hmm. And I'm slow to I, – I was too fast to the demise of Pittsburgh. And that's just a lack of respect for Tomlin and – I have to course correct it until he shows me otherwise. Here, I just have to. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, you can't even say that a, that a, that a an injury to their quarterback. Like I've seen them put up that he yep. doesn't have losing seasons, and he's played terrible quarterbacks, yep. and they found a way to be relevant. Yep. So I don't know, man. It, I, they're it,
2: in a yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about the Ravens. It's the same conversation, and you know, it's the same conversation in terms of. You have to watch you have to you have to assume the way I'll say it is you have to assume that these teams are going to be good, so it's not enough you're not you do not get to sit back and let these teams become bad and then you get handed the division they're going to be good you have to be better it's it's that simple there's not a, there's not a reality where the Steelers are just going to be awful I don't think, and it's the same thing for every other team in the division there's you know i i think if you look around the league. Every other division. I mean, people are talking about the NFC, uh, the AFC East, you know, is the best division in football after Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets or whatever, but I, you know, the Patriots could absolutely go six and 11, you know, I mean, Mac Jones doesn't get it back together. They could, they could be bad. Right. I mean, I, I know that that's, it's the Patriots and and it's Bill Belichick, but they might not have an offense. Um, You know, I think every division has a team that can bottom out. And I mean, as I'm saying this, Jake, I'm realizing that the team in the AFC North—that's that team—is probably the Browns.
1: Well, it has to. What data do we have that tells us otherwise? Right. You exactly. can look at the rosters and you can do all those exercises you want, but like, right? History. It would be it would be a creation yeah. of new history. Right. We've seen Baltimore go through some. I. We don't see Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons. They That's don't right. happen. It's not a made up stat. It doesn't happen. It just so doesn't happen. Yep. Until we see it, we mass. We, we lift our shoulders in the air and we shrug them. Um. We we, we we know who they are. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Their season hinges on what is it? I mean, is it just? It's probably as simple as Kenny Pickett, right? I mean, yeah. I think
2: less so on the defense. Certainly on the offense, health is going to be a big issue because they really do not have much depth on that on that offense. Uh, I would you know, agree. That, yeah. It could become very one dimensional if G- Deontay Johnson or George Pickens misses some serious time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, especially wide receiver, tight end. I mean, uh, yep. Washington helps gain them a little bit. And then Jalen yeah. Warren's back to the yeah, wide receiver. Right, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're, this, the skill it's position. been on the O line too. So yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so so that would probably be part of it. And then I think it's really, to me, it's it's like how good is the secondary? You know how good is the how are the young players in the secondary and these sort of retreads in the secondary because I think that that kind of establishes the ceiling for the defense. If the if that all clicks, then they're a, they they can absolutely be the best defense in the league. In which case, all bets are off for where they go. But but that the secondary is going to be the determining factor on the defense. I think.
1: Okay, so better or worse than last year. I, I actually tend to think they're a little better. I just think the quarterback's going to be a year further into this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's so, i I, I got to be careful there because the, the, the you get into presumptions quarterbacks will be better, and we've seen, right. we've lived right. that yeah. opposite outcome. So, yeah. but, but I do feel like I like their offensive line a little bit more. Two key additions. They have the same wide receiver group. Plus, if Allen Robinson shows any pulse, it's better than the third. Uh, you know, whatever Chase Claypool, it was not, it was broken there yeah. last year. I think it's yeah. got a chance to be the same, at least wide receiver. Then I think uh, defensively, the the three selections that they made, those additions have a chance to put them into a better realm. And, uh, you know, again, I could see the spots that are weak, but I just think it's a little better team than it was
2: last year. I agree with that. Yeah. On paper, definitely better. You, yeah. Like you said, I think the point about the quarterback is so good, right? Like, because, you know, we, we talked about this too. the, something that often happens with second year quarterbacks is the book gets out. You know, they team spend the entire off season digesting your tape, talking to each other, you know, all these, all these coaches talk, all these defensive coaches talk. And so by, you know, maybe by week four the the book is out on Kenny Pickett and some of the flaws that we saw show up in college, show up a little bit more, you know, uh, in his second season, it's possible. And so, but yeah, I agree overall on paper, looking at the depth chart, it's a better team.
1: Uh, they're a playoff expectations team. I I, yep. I think their people I expect them, even though yeah. you look at the roster and you look at some things and you think it's a hopes team, they're, they're an yeah. expectation based. I mean, on their
2: fan base probably thinks they're winning the division.
1: I would, I would think they wouldn't. How, how would you mock them? They've, they've no, done I, that. I, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't. Um, okay. So lastly, the question we've asked for all these, these teams in the division is how, how do you beat them? Mm-hmm. How do you beat them? We saw them host, them earlier in the year and beat them yep. pretty soundly. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, same thing I keep saying. Home games in the division have gone well. The, the the road stuff in Pittsburgh. The thing that keeps happening on the road between Baker, between even Deshaun last year when they went there to close the year, they're turning the they turn the ball over in Pittsburgh a ton. Yeah. They turn it yeah. over. So I I think the formula here is you hopefully have improved your run defense enough to make Najee Harris, less relevant. Make Kenny Pickett beat you consistently throwing the football down the field. Don't bust a coverage. They busted a key coverage last year that led to a touchdown. Play sound football defensively, which at the most is going to allow 20, 17, 20 points. And can you put the ball in the end zone on offense three times in the course of a game and get to 21? Because I think 21 is like the magic number to beat these guys. If you get to 21, you can beat them. Can you not turn it over? Can can you do enough positive things against this group defense? That, that, uh, again, admittedly, one of the tougher defenses you're going to run across the entire league. I think that the formula is just solid defensive performance, taking care of the football on offense, and uh, that's that sounds, again, generic, but these are generic points that coaches are making in any game plan, so it's yeah. not crazy. Like I think you can steady drive against them. I don't think you're going to get a bunch of chunk plays the way they're structured but i don't know can you i think again it's a race to
2: 20 21 points against them and that's the winning formula yeah your thoughts i, I think the, the point about turnovers is is really really key and i think you know th- this is the team in the division that you want to pass on you know this this is unlike baltimore and and cincinnati who tend to you know really uh make things difficult in the secondary. Not that the Steelers don't play good coverage, but they are always ready for war on the ground. Like they they are always hard to run on. And we saw it two years ago when Kevin Stefanski took Baker Mayfield in there in week 17 and, and ran, you know, uh, a a spread offense uh, with James Hudson going one-on-one against TJ Watt. That plan, you know, didn't work for a few different reasons and that's a different conversation. But 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 that idea of spreading them out, trying to get some of their bigger bodies off the field and making them play matchup football in the secondary is, I think, the, the best way to move the ball on them in the offense. Like you said, it's not going to be big chunks, but you can be efficient against them. So last
1: year on offense against Pittsburgh, they had in the, in the game they won 29-17, they ran for 171 and threw for 205. The week eighteen game, they ran for one thirty four, threw for one seventy three. Yeah, turned it over two times. So that's yeah. the formula. Because and, and Pittsburgh I, only threw for one eighty nine and ran for one forty four. So it was yeah. a, yeah. it was a twenty eight fourteen game. But like the Browns were kind of poking around the red zone yeah. and just couldn't figure anything out to get the ball into the end zone. And those the, it was yeah. a key turnover. The Browns were
2: situa- situationally really bad in that game, and 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 that was really kind of the theme all year, right? That they were bad situationally. Um, I will, if I recall,
1: know. they had a really bad swing before halftime that cost right. the, the last yeah. four, first four went really poorly. Yeah. I mean, that was, was I was hard all hard of 2022
2: hard. for Kevin Stefanski. He was getting out coached going into and out of halftime routinely. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of look at it as bookends. I mean, I know they opened the, the season against Cincinnati and you don't want to overlook that game, but that end of the season game in Pittsburgh, well, where, you know, The Browns had the opportunity to keep the Steelers or eliminate the Steelers from the playoffs. Uh, You know, and they kind of, you know, they did not play well in any phase. I really want that, you know, I mean, we've talked about they haven't won in Pittsburgh in a regular season game in 20 years, you know, a game where the crowd is there. I really would like them. One way that they could really send the message that things are different this year is is to win that game convincingly because I think... It's just, as much as you can say they won that playoff game, things have not changed with the Steelers. And I think that Week 18 game last year was such a great encapsulation of how little progress they've made relative to that team in terms of just, you know, really the fundamental stuff.
1: These first two division games mean a lot. They it's Going 0-2 so yeah. and those would be really, really hard. So, all right, well... Yeah. I think we've covered everything Pittsburgh, uh, everything we need to at least. So uh, we will leave it at that. We respect Pittsburgh um, until they show us they don't deserve that anymore, which is, which is again, so hard to fathom. It's so hard yeah. to fathom. On the opposite end of the spectrum of where you're with the Browns, it's hard to see the Browns being in these meaningful whatever. It's just the, Pittsburgh doesn't know any other way with Mike Tomlin. So they mm-hmm. went 8-8. Eight and eight. What year did they go 8-8? Eight and eight. That was the, the lowest of the low they've been, 2019. So they had went um, eleven and five, so ten and six, eleven and five, thirteen and three, nine and six, nine six and one, eight and eight, twelve and four, nine seven and one. They're a team that loves to tie. I'll say that. And then they went nine and eight last year. So they uh, even in their worst times they hover. Like again, you you said that <laughs> when was the last time the Steelers were not in in the hunt? They started two and six last year into the bye.
2: Did they really? That's so funny.
1: They did. And That's then they, so they came out of the bye and they lost only two games the rest of the way. They went seven and two the rest of the way. That's insane. And go nine and eight. Yeah, man. That is that is pretty insane.
2: All actually. right. So they have to go 0 and eight in the first half of the season <laughs> for me to count them out.
1: I guess. I mean, the history is here. I mean, it wasn't right. a gauntlet of tough, tough teams the second half of the year, but they right. had, you know, they had the Bengals, they had Baltimore, they had. Baltimore twice. Sorry. I guess it is nice to catch Baltimore when they didn't have Lamar two times. I yeah, will say that. That's a little so that, bit of that's the a thing. And then so they Carolina, have to win terrible. they have to win
2: 9 games in their first 8 somehow. That's what that's what it would have to be. Yeah,
1: that's probably right. Well, that, they won't die. They're like touch. vampires, man. They they will not oh, die. Absolutely. So. yeah,
2: no. It's it's bad.
1: All right, that's a wrap for today. That's enough uh AFC North talk. Hopefully you're prepared the next time Andrew and I get together, we're going to start Uh, We're going to start doing some more training camp previews, I think, looking position by position, what the important battles are, what we need to see from these guys, say the quarterback position, who we're watching in training camp and preseason games, and we'll go through those. Hopefully you've enjoyed the experience here around the NFL in its totality and you feel at least a bit more prepared for the AFC North than the others because we went a little more in-depth there. So, yeah, enjoyed it. Andrew, it's always a good time, man, and, and like I always say, thanks for stopping by,
2: brother. It's a pleasure, Jake. Uh, I really didn't like previewing the division in so far as it reminds you how good all the other three teams are. But as I said a few times, this year is really the Browns' year to just be better than those teams. That's that. It's it's really hard, but it's really simple.
1: I think they believe they are. I, yeah, I think they believe I they are, and we'll see if they're ready to actually act upon that. Because. That's right the talent is actually there to match an attitude like that. So, okay, that's it. Wrap for today. Check out the OBR. Tons of content. Great things going on. Rate and review the pod. It's going to be crazy. The veterans arrive, and then we're going to hit the ground running over the weekend. So check all of that content out, podcasts and writing. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks to Andrew for being here and doing this segment time over time in the last two months now. Uh, he's been awesome, and I hopefully you guys have enjoyed him plenty more to come with Andrew on this podcast. So continue to stop by, listen to us and take in all you can on a daily basis about your Cleveland Browns. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, I don't know who I'll be with. Maybe it'll be me solo. We'll see, but I'm not going to do another day off. Can't do that. So we'll be back some way, shape, or form. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Have a great Friday. Good night.